yes, I did want to be a stay-at-home mom, but I think like I had a lot of cultural expectations to go back to work. I also went to an all-women's college and I just feel like our culture, we measure our worth by titles and salary. And so that's been, I've had to change my mindset around that. Welcome to the Capital Mom Podcast. I'm your host, Stephanie Brinkley. Each week, we hear from stay-at-home moms who earn at least $2,000 per month without having to miss out on any of the precious moments with their kids. I am super excited to introduce today's guest, Amanda Austin. Amanda is a mom of two girls ages two and a half and 10 months and an e-commerce store owner based in Erie, Pennsylvania. Her online store carries thousands of dollhouse miniatures. Prior to starting her own business, she worked in magazine publishing and corporate communications. Amanda, welcome to the show. Hi, Stephanie. Thank you so much. Yes, it is so good to talk to you. Before we actually started recording the show, we were talking a little bit about your journey to becoming a stay-at-home slash work-at-home mom. And I want you to just share with us um, a little bit with the listeners about why was that so important to you to stay at home with your kids and have that time with them? Okay, so I did, in starting out, I, did, I didn't have my first child till I was 36. And I did want to stay home with her, but I, I sort of felt like this pressure to go back. Not, not even so much that we needed the money. My husband, I mean, because we're so old and we had kids, you know, we, we have saved up and he's worked his way up in a family business. You know, so he has a good position you know, we could live on his salary. We purposely bought like a pretty inexpensive house compared to our income. But like all my friends went back and I sort of felt like that was what I should do. And they were managing it. So why didn't I do it? So I put my daughter in daycare at three months and I really like hated it every minute of the day. Like it was a pretty good daycare, but it was like torture to be separated from her and having to nurse on my 20 minute lunch break that I had. And so, you know, I had this store, I had launched it before she was born, about a year before she was born. And it was making money, but it wasn't a full-time income. It was more like a hobby income. So I felt like I had to go back and like earn my keep and, you know, add to the household income. And I did that. But as this store, you know, kept going, um, it was starting to make more money. And so eventually it was starting to make so much more money. And I hated my other job so much, kind of a theme throughout my life. Like, I just don't like working for other people. That I was like, you know, this is stupid. And I'm spending like nearly a thousand dollars a month on daycare. So I told my husband, you know, that this is it, I'm done, you know? And it was right before COVID too. So that was kind of good timing. So yes, I did want to be a stay-at-home mom, but I think like I had a lot of cultural expectations to go back to work. I also went to an all-women's college and I just feel like our culture, we measure our worth by titles and salary. And so that's been, I've had to change my mindset around that. Definitely. I think the mindset is such a, an important piece. So this, um, your e-commerce store, you had said you started it about a year before you had your first daughter, mm-hmm. kind of like a hobby. Were you at all thinking at that time that it would be something that you wanted to turn into a full-time thing when you first started it? Oh yeah. I definitely wanted to achieve um, replacement income from my corporate job. And I just had no idea if I was going to be able to do it. So when I started out, it was like slow going. And I think somewhere in the back of my mind, I was maybe positioning myself to stay at home because, you know, we were talking before when I was growing up, my parents worked a lot, six days a week at their own business. And I was, you know, with various sitters from the time I was one month old 
um, sometimes for a week. So six days a week, I was at a daycare or at a sitter's. And I really never liked that arrangement. And I always thought if I had my own kids, I'm going to prioritize them. So I, I kind of saw this as like a freedom, you know, but like I said, I just never really liked corporate America. I mean, I was getting promotions and I had, I was in insurance when I ended and I had like the top designations and I was doing pretty well. Um, you know, like I had a company with a pension, but like, I really just hated every minute. of it. I just, <laughs> I know I shouldn't say that. I appreciate what I learned there, but just the politics and like, just the, the the meetings that where you didn't achieve anything and like so much of the promotions would be based on like who sucked up the most versus merit-based. I, I just couldn't get behind it. Yes. And it sounds like you have that entrepreneurial spirit. And that's why it was like, you were trying to fit yourself into this mold and into this box, but that just wasn't you. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I, I always wanted to have my own business. So I thought this would be a way to to try it. Cause it was like pretty low. It, it didn't require a lot of money up front and, you know, for me to go buy a real estate. So I thought, you know, this is pretty good. And really like, as time has gone on, people are like, well, why did you want this business model? So I read this book. It's pretty famous. It's called the four hour work week. And it's this idea of like decoupling your time from your income to like create a system that gives you money, but you don't have to like put in a ton of time at a certain point. You know, because there's some businesses, like if you own a restaurant, you're never going to be able to step away from that. You're always going to be in the business. So this one really appealed to me because I thought, wow, as time goes on, like this could be a pretty passive income stream for me if if I can do it right. And so that was kind of one of my goals. And now whenever I think of a business I want to start, it's like, I want the most amount of money for the least amount of work. And I know like a lot of people would be aghast at that, but I mean, I'll be honest, like work is not my whole life. I've had a complete mind change from it. For me, like I find value investing in my relationships and taking care of my home. I do a lot of my own cooking and I have my own hobbies and work to me is just a means to like make money. It's more of like a European mindset. Yes, I love that. And I think with the background that you had with growing up and seeing um, your parents work so much too, I mean, that plays a big part in it because you see that that's just not everything in life. <laughs> no, not at all. And now I think like they're kind of looking back being like, hmm, because they have more money than they can spend. And, you know, you can't go, you can't rewind the clock and, and right. play with your kids as a three-year-old again. And the right. way I look at it is like, I can always make more money. You can always, there are people that go bankrupt that turn around and make millions five years later. Yeah. I can always do that. I can never get the time back. I totally agree. That was one of the the main factors for me when I decided to resign. I was like, I can always go back to teaching, but this window of my child's time is never going to come back again. So I, I wanted to ask you a little bit more about the initial investment and not just financial, but also time-wise to get your shop up and running. Because I think you said now you spend about three hours a week um, working on this business. Is that right? Yeah. Um, yes, I, I spend, I try to spend like half an hour a day. So like half an hour, 45 minutes, my, I'm very unambitious. I put five new products in and take care of my emails and that's it. Cause I'm, I'm trying to do something else um, on the side. <laughs> okay. Uh, well, that's still awesome. So, um, a half hour to 45 minutes a day, and then you're averaging about $4,000 per month from your shop. Is that right? Well, okay. That was more last year during COVID was a boon to my business because you have like people stuck inside. They can only shop online. And this is an awesome hobby to do when you're stuck inside during lockdown. So 
my profits have come down. They're they're probably like more like three, but then like three thousand a month profit. Um, but then you know the holidays are going to roll around, and then it will just explode. Like the last quarter of the year, it's like half my. It, it could it could just it's like five x. It just goes crazy. Wow! And so you'll have some really low months, and then you'll have some yeah. really high months, and that averages it out. But. Mm-hmm. Awesome. Because even if 3000 a month was your average, that's still only for three hours. <laughs> yeah. So like I, I know one time, cause I thought of selling my business, well, I didn't, I'm not, I'm going to sell it someday. And so I started to, you know, I was trying to get evaluation and they're like, how much do you work now? What are you making? And then they, they spit out this thing. They're like, you make like $800 an hour. Wow. And I was like, you know, I'd rather make like, just work a couple hours and make a lot of money per hour than like make 500,000 a year. But I got to work 120 hours a week like forget yes. it you know? totally yeah. with that I mean because it that just gives you so much freedom yeah uh, so in the beginning when you were first getting your shop set up and everything like that how much time did you have to put into it at the beginning okay so I did so this is where you know you start to see the the effort so when I started the, the amount of money I spent was very small. I spent, I bought a course on how to do e-commerce. I think that was about a thousand dollars. And then I had to, I traveled to Las Vegas to go to a miniature show and find a supplier. So really it was less than 5,000, but I spent a long time. Like before I launched the store for six months, all I did was set up this website and upload products. So you have to imagine in corporate America, I would have made tens of thousands of dollars those six months. So that was the real amount of money I had to spend. It was like my time. Right. Mm -hmm. Now, if, okay, so if you were to go back to that time and if you were thinking back then, like, okay, I want to make this like my full-time thing. And I'm, if you had already known that you were going to quit that job and get out, um, do you think you could have got it up and running faster? Or do you think it still would have taken the six months? Oh yeah. It would have taken me six months. I mean, looking back now, I, I could have hired out a lot of that and I could have hired it. You can go on these job boards and find people like in the Philippines and in India, like college educated people. And you know, you're paying in American dollars. So you don't have to pay them what you would pay an American. I could probably have hired someone for a couple thousand dollars just to do like some of the rote tasks or to start the website. But I got to say like, there is value in doing things, everything yourself, because you really learn how the, the site works. There's certain things that you, you know, it's like a um, baptism by fire. Like I know everything about Shopify. I could, I could fix a lot of problems. So there's value in that too. But yeah, I probably, I could, probably should have hired somebody for some of this stuff. <laughs> well, and if you're somebody like me who doesn't have a lot to invest up front and you, you do want to um, do most of that yourself, it's just good to know like how much time it would take. So before you um, launched this shop, you said that you took a course. How long did that course take for you to complete? Oh, you know, that probably took six months, but I was doing that when I came home from my corporate job. Okay. So yeah, so I was like doing the videos and like doing the research, like, you know, a lot of it was just trying to find the right things to sell and getting the website set up. So yeah, it it just took, it probably took like a year from start to finish to, to launch my store. Okay. And do you think um, from what you've learned um, through that course and just now that you've been more into it, is that pretty typical for somebody who's just starting an e-commerce store? 
I think so. I mean, you hear these stories of people who, you know, like they do it in three months, but they're like insane. They don't sleep. It's like every waking hour. So I think so. I mean, and for me, my site took a long time to get up because in the dollhouse miniature space, there's just so many products, like whatever you own in real life, I have it in miniature on my store. So just think about everything in your house, like your toilet paper, all your food, like electronics. I have all that in miniature. So looking back now, would I, if I were to start another site, I would definitely not go into a niche with thousands of products. Like I would go into one with like three products or even a hundred would be far more manageable. And and tell us, like, explain a little bit how the drop shipping process works. Like, how do you find the products and where are they stored and all of that? Okay. So you can find drop shippers. You go to trade shows. There's some, um, there's some books out there, you know, a guide to American wholesalers, things like that. And so you meet up with them and you say, listen, I want to carry your products. Cause these people, all they do is they're wholesale importers. They don't sell to the public. They're kind of in the middle. Like you have the guy that manufactures and you have the guy that sells, and then you have the guy in the middle that's wholesaling. And so I found one that's not that far from my house actually. And I talked to him and he goes, yeah, you know, we do some drop shipping for a couple other um, people and yeah, I'll take you on. And I said, okay, good. So I filled out all the paperwork and I, you know, when you have an e-commerce store, you have to be very compliant with setting up your sales tax. So I pay sales tax in three States four times a year, <laughs> a lot of fun. So, you know, I had to get everything set up like that. And I, and I told him, I was like, I launched my store, get ready for orders. Well, it took 11 days to just get one order. And, you know, I was just throwing them an order like here and there every couple of days, you know, and now, now I flood them with orders. I have my own file there. I'm the, I'm the top, I think I am the top drop shipper at this point. So yeah, you just have to find somebody just learn the terms like, okay, so, you know, how do you, how much are you going to charge me to handle my order? Um, how do you handle returns? You know, make sure that they're good partners. What if the item arrives damaged? How do you handle that? You know, just kind of assess them out. I like this company. They've been around for a long time. They were pretty close to me. They have a lot of selection. You know, but it's still hard because there are things that happen in their warehouse that if it was my warehouse, I would not allow it to happen. Mistakes that go out, but they're not my employees. So that's kind of a hard part. And how do you handle that with when it comes to your customers? Because your customers don't necessarily know or understand that this is not your warehouse, right? Okay. Yeah. So they don't really get that. And then I don't really want them to know that. So I just... I'm very good on customer service. I get back to people very quickly. Sometimes they are small items, so they'll get broken in the mail. And my dropshipper is good. I'll say, hey, like this little teapot got broke and they will just send it back out for me. And so I just let the customer know that. But um, I have a return. You know, they can return within 30 days. Um, and sometimes if it's just like, you know, if it's just inexpensive, like, I'd rather just I'd rather just eat the $10 than have to go back and forth. Because my goal is just, just to keep my life open and be there for my kids. I don't, I don't need to fight over that, you know? Right. So yeah, I just get back to them and, you know, I've called people before, um, about stuff, just, you know, just stay open and, and just be, you know, there and responsive and fast. And, you know, my, my dropshipper is pretty good. Like say someone ordered something and it, they got the wrong item or they forgot something. I'm like, I'm so sorry. I'll let you, you know, we're going to ship it out right now. Sometimes I'll be like, and it, you know, for the inconvenience, I give them a coupon for their next order or something like that. Okay. Okay. And they're, the customers, they're pretty happy with that. I mean, have you ever had anybody like give you a really bad review or anything? 
Mm, no, actually, my Google re- reviews are all really good because I will just I, I stay with them to just you know resolve the issue. And I don't know what it is, but the people that collect these miniatures and do this hobby are generally a very nice lot. They're just kind of magical and whimsical, and they're actually a pleasure. People send me photos of things that they created. Uh, you know, I hear from people, and uh, it's it's really nice actually. So I've never really had someone terribly irate. In in fact, one time this guy, he ordered like $500 worth of products and his bank thought it was a fraudulent charge. So they did a charge back against me and they wouldn't release the funds. And he's like, no, I'm going to make sure you get paid. Don't worry. Don't worry. He could have just walked away and got all that for free. Oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah. That's really nice. Well, how did you choose this niche? Like how did you choose dollhouse furniture? So in the course I took there, there's a probably half the time is spent just choosing the right niche because it's so key to go into the right business. And so he has a lot of tutorials about how to choose a good niche based on demand and profitability. And it's about keywords. So you want keywords that people are searching, but they're not so competitive that you won't be able to rank in Google. And so I I had a lot of ideas and I, you know, there are um, intelligence programs you can buy like research, keyword research programs. And I, I think what I use is, um, I just forget the name. There's like a ton out there though. And they can help you, you know, determine, okay, here's a keyword that, you know, you'll be able to rank easy for, and it's got 5,000 searches a month. So he has criteria. And so I was going through all of them and this one just kind of came out as like a really competitive one. And I looked at my competitors' websites and they were all really terrible. Like none were mobile optimized. And so um, the course I took, you can run it by the guy who runs it. And he, he said, yeah, this is a really good one. I think you should go into it. And I did have an affinity for dollhouse miniatures because as a kid, my grandma, she handmade me a dollhouse and we had a dollhouse miniature store in my town and I would go there and I would spend all my money at this store and I would buy the miniatures. So I did like them a lot, but I don't collect miniatures anymore. And I'm really not a crafty person. So I don't do, I don't, I don't put together dollhouses. You know, these people that do this hobby are incredible. They put electricity in their dollhouse. They put on baseboards and wallpaper. I'm really not a crafty person, but I really respect what they do, but I do love miniatures. And so I, I had that history with it. Okay. Well, I love to know that you don't have to be into like making the dollhouses yourself no. to, be able to have a store that supports people and to, to kind of enjoy that. Um, yeah. So, just learn about it. I would just say like, if you're going to go into a niche where it's not your personal passion, it's so easy to learn about. You watch YouTube videos. I have a books on dollhouses because people will write in with questions and I always like to be able to answer them. So I, you know, or I, I can direct them to like a blog article I wrote. So, you know, it's, it's really not my passion, but it's not that hard to learn about. And, you know, I have, um, most of my traffic comes from my blog. And so I purposely choose keywords that are very easy to rank. Like I have articles on dollhouse glue that get hundreds and hundreds of visitors every month. And you know, that's, that's kind of how I've been able to do it. Cause I really don't advertise. I, I just get all the traffic from keywords. Now, how did you um, learn how to do all of that with the blogging and, you know, marketing piece of it? Did you take any type of course or did you already know how to do that from your previous job? Yeah, I, I really knew from my previous job. So we started off in magazine publishing and I was always a writer and then I went into copywriting, which was like writing ads for a big department store. And then I, well, you know, with the growth of the internet, um, I ended up going to a very large Fortune 500 insurance company and I, I launched their first blog. And so I had experience with this because I was putting out articles that were kind of related to insurance and home safety. 
And I was noticing, you know, I had articles that were getting like 50,000 views a month to our site. Yeah. So I had learned all this. Um, And I also, I mean, I went to like an SEO conference, the company sent me to that. And so I thought, okay, you know, I can, I can do this. And yeah, being a strong writer, having a marketing background is very helpful because that's what the internet is. If you can write well and you know the keywords to target, you can, you can do a lot. And it sounds like if you're not, if that's not a strength of yours, that would be a good thing to hire out once you have the capability to do that, because that's obviously going to generate so much more traffic to your. Yeah. Yeah. If you you have enough money, if your margin's high enough, you know, drop shipping, you don't have the same profit margin as if you were to import things from Asia, because that's where most of this stuff is made. So, you know, you kind of have to watch that. I was kind of glad that I did have this skill set because it's, like that is the bread and butter of my, of my website. Very good. Okay. And I, I'm going to link to that course that you took too. So um, it's Steve Chu and he has a website called mywifequitherjob.com. <laughs> I love that. Yeah. Well, she I, wanted to be a stay-at-home mom. What is the course called that you took? Do you remember the name of the course? Yeah. It's called Profitable Online Store. And I'm pretty sure it's just like profitableonlinestore.com. And it's a really great course because Steve has office hours you can go to and ask questions and he will help you vet your niche because it's so important to choose the right uh, niche, you know, something where you can get a foothold that's not oversaturated, but that also has demand. Yes. And my husband and I, after we listened to the podcast that you were on, where we discovered about you, we were like, let's check out this Steve Chu guy. And so we took like his little free online course and He's such a good teacher. <laughs> yeah, we he's cool. We want to do more um, with him. Now, I want you to talk a little bit about your writing because you said that you're working on a personal writing project now. So what are you working on? And um, yeah. Oh, okay. Well, okay. So when I quit my job, my store, I was like, oh, you know, my store still doesn't make enough money for me. I need to make more. So I'd always been writing on the side. And so I started doing some, I went back into freelance writing for a while. I was doing um, some work for familyhandyman.com. And because I have an insurance background and all the designations, I was helping out with this life insurance organization. And what else? I was doing a couple more. I was helping a friend of mine. She had worked, she's working at a college. So I did some articles for their college magazine and then some random publications, like I think it was RV Life, you know, pretty good rates. I can make at least $50 an hour. I felt pretty good about that. You know, my kids are napping, make a couple hundred, you know, $100, $150. Um, but then I started getting the itch and I was like, I really have an idea for a novel. I really want to do it. Oh. Um, so I need, I need three months just to to go into this right now and, and just crank it out like a thousand words a day over three months is like 80,000 words. So I'm going to try to write a novel and if it fails, it fails. And sort of the same attitude I have with my store. It's like, I just read this quote today. They're like, if you tried and failed, congratulations. Most people don't even try. So I love that. I saw that too. I was like, this is so good. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. And I'm like, I'm just going to try it out. And um, actually like the other writing project I want to do. So it's kind of like this e-commerce store. I don't know if you've ever heard of something called like an authority site. Um, Like if you Google, like say you're really into write like, bicycles like you're you're really into biking and cycling I guess it would be and like there's a website and all it is is about cycling like here are the best helmets and here's how to grease your chains 
And like these people make money based on traffics. They get ads to the site and then they, they'll recommend a helmet and they're like, go buy this one on Amazon. And then they get a commission. So oh, that's okay. the other thing I'm probably going to do if this novel thing doesn't work out. Cause I already started um, writing articles for like a niche that I'm really into that has demand. Um, I don't want to say what it is, you know, but that's it's, nuts. it's something around household stuff. Um, it kind of ties into like a passion of mine and my work history. So I started that because I'm like, I know I can make money on this. And this would be even less time than my e-commerce store because there's no customer service. So that's why I, I dropped all my freelance work, even though that was really profitable because I was making over 2000 a month doing freelancing. Wow. Yeah. In addition to my store. So I'm like, I can always go back to freelancing though. Cause they're like, well, if you ever want to come back, like, please let us know. Cause it's just so easy. Like you have to remember like half of people don't even, they don't even meet their deadline. Like if you just meet your deadline and are pleasant, you can, it's so easy to get work if you're a decent writer. Well, that's good to know. So you have a really like a great resume because you had been writing before. Um, What about someone like me? I was a teacher before, so I did write in that job, but it wasn't like published things, you know, how does, how does somebody who's brand new get into that? Do you just start reaching out to companies and saying, Hey, I write, do you need a writer? Yeah. I mean, I think someone else on your show, cause I was listening to other episodes is like, go with what you know. So I, I did insurance cause okay. I don't love insurance. I don't think anyone loves it, but I knew that this was a business. It's a big business. They have a lot of money and it's recession proof. And so I would do insurance articles. So if I was a teacher, like I would try to find organizations that are geared toward teachers, like maybe like the big okay. teachers union, they need some help on the website. And, um, you could just say like, I have these years of teaching and I was just wondering if you need help with something. Um, it, it is like, you do have to have a couple clips. So maybe if there's like a community publication in your town, like maybe write for them a little bit, okay. uh, something like that, or, or start with like a small company in your town, or maybe your friend has like a small business. So like write her website up that's and then you have idea. some clips. Yeah, yeah. Like start a small, I mean, cause that's what everyone does. You start smaller and then you get, you can, you know, keep going up your, up your rate, up your, um, aim on things. Yeah. I mean, actually one of the first articles I wrote, like I was too stupid to know that I wasn't even qualified for it. I like wrote something for the New York times. I just found, yeah, I was like, I have an idea for an article and they let me write it. And <laughs> I mean, just all they can say is no or ignore your email. True. Yeah. Yeah. Or, or sometimes I think helpful too. Like if you come to them with an idea, like here's a trend I'm noticing. If you have an article idea, then that takes some work off the editor's plate. Cause you came to them with an idea. Yeah. With your novel, are you planning to self-publish or are you going to try to get it published through um, another publisher? I would like to get an agent and and go, you know, I don't want to do the self-publishing route. Like I want it to be well edited and polished and fact-checked, <laughs> you know, like a real book with like an art department and everything. So that's my goal. I mean, that would be a dream come true, but I told myself like, I, I really don't want to be old and, and think what if, like, I will feel better if I just do, it's only only three months, like a thousand words a day is, I I can write a thousand words about an hour. Yeah. So it's really, yeah. So I'll try it out. I'm just going to give it a shot. Like, you know, I don't want to live a life of regret or wondering what if. So next year or in in like six months, we might be having you on and be like, oh, tell us about your book. I don't know. I I mean, I told my husband, like, listen, if no one, if I don't get an agent, I'm just going to self-publish it and like, just give it away. (laughs) 
Well, you know I don't what know I mean? if you've heard um, one of my first episodes was with Darlene Shortridge and she and her husband own a publishing company. And that's actually what she did with her very first novel was she, um, I think she had had it published through another, through like a publishing company, but they weren't doing anything with it. So she decided to just um, take the rights back and then she gave away 30,000 copies and then her um, writing exploded and now she has tons of novels that she's written and now they help other people self-publish so she said you know a lot of people don't want to go that route because it's in your mind you're more like oh you know I want to be like a real published author but she said um, now it's just there's so many tools to actually make your book really a high quality book so you should definitely check out her episode Darlene Shortland Oh, that's um, so cool. Yeah. She has a really cool story and a really inspiring story. Well, I wish we had like two hours to talk, but I just want to wrap this up by asking you, what advice do you have for moms who need to earn income for their families and they also want to be at home full time with their kids? Okay. So I think for the, like, first believe that you can do it. Um, you really can. You, you know, you, if you worked before having kids, you have a skill set. There's so many ways you can use it. You know, we're in such a different world now. We have the internet. There's um, a lot of remote jobs. I'm on a couple of job boards. Like my friends have hooked me into these remote jobs and I get, I get them. I don't, I don't apply to them, but there really are like so many different things and, you know, just start it on the side. If you can um, start small and, and just see what's out there. And, and really, um, I just think it's, I just think it's so nice to like, you don't really realize like how much you, how much it enriches your life until you do it. Um, really, you know, and if you, even if you can't find the, you know, the amount of work that you want, you can, you know, I don't know what I'm saying. I, I think that there are a lot of opportunities, like, you know, get hooked in. I think I just applied to this thing. It's like fairy God boss. My friend suggested me to go do it. And you know, they have a ton of jobs all the time. And especially after the pandemic, like remote work is, has become normalized. So, you know, give it a shot, just try it out, you know, and give yourself some time. It might take a little bit of time, uh, you know, learn to live on less too, you know, for, for pretty much all of human history, you know, one parent stayed home with the kids. You just, you just did less, you know, your kids, they don't need a trip to Disney every year. They don't need a second home. They don't need all this, you know, every gadget in the world. They need you. So you can figure out a way to do it. That is so good. Well, thank you so much for on the show today. And I'm really glad that we got to talk about your journey. Yeah, thank you so much. Good luck to everyone out there. I'm, I'm cheering for you. The goal of this podcast is to inspire and encourage as many moms as possible to design their lives in a way that allows them to have freedom and flexibility to spend as much time with their kids as possible and earn the income they need for their families. You can help me reach more moms by subscribing to, reviewing, and sharing the podcast. I love connecting with my listeners, so reach out and leave a review. If you have an idea for someone who should be a guest on the show or you would like me to find a guest in a specific field, let me know. I'm here to serve you. Join me next week for another episode of the Capital Mom Podcast.